Welcome to Witness to Yesterday, the podcast of the Champlain Society. My name is Patrice Dutil. The Great Depression of the 1930s upset politics around the world, and Canada was no exception. The Conservatives, led by R.B. Bennett, won the election in the summer of 1930, booting out the Mackenzie King Liberals, who had governed for almost a decade. Less than two years later, the League for Social Reconstruction was formed to rally the country's socialists, and in 1933, the Cooperative Commonwealth Federation, a socialist party, was created. Quebec was also rocked by political changes, but much less tempted by the left. Since 1897, the Liberal Party had formed government in Quebec City, one of the longest political dynasties ever in this country. Against all odds, it had been re-elected in the summer of 1931, and Louis-Alexandre Techereau remained Premier of the province as he had been since 1920. But things started to change rapidly after that startling result, and to talk about it, my guest today is Dr. Alexandre Dumas, a professor of history at the Université du Québec, and his latest book is Les Quatre Mousquetaires de Québec, published by Les Éditions du Septentrion. I reached him at his office in Trois-Rivières, Québec. Alexandre, it's a pleasure to welcome you to Witness to Yesterday. It's a pleasure to be with you. to yesterday for this episode, what happened on July 25th, 1937? There was the first uh, political assembly of the new Parti National, so National Party of the province of Quebec. It was held in Saint-Pascal-de-Camouraska. So it was the first assembly for this new political party with five members of the Legislative Assembly who were elected first with Maurice Duplessis and his Union Nationale in 1936, and who split from Union Nationale to create a new party to uh, promote their ideas, who were seen as a radical and very progressive ideas in the, their time. Now, your book's title, if you'll allow me to translate it in English, is The Four Musketeers of Quebec. And your name really is Alexandre Dumas. <laughs> Uh, this really is a coincidence, and they really were called Les Quatre Mousquetaires. Who were these four men? Well, first, I, I'd like to say that uh, the title was not a fantasy of mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> these four men really were named the Four Musketeers by journalists. Uh, a musketeer back, back then was a politician who was leading a fight that seemed to be uh, hopeless. So uh, we use this uh, this term quite frequently, and these men were really named the Four Musketeers. So there are four members of the Legislative Assembly who helped Maurice Duplessis get elected in 1936, and they helped him because they really believed that he was going to change the politics in Quebec, that he was going to throw down the, the trust, the, uh, that he was going to fight for the laborers, it was going to create a lot of, um, of, of change in the, the government, so a pension plan, uh, family allowances to nationalize uh, electricity, so a lot of reforms that were, um, see, that were seen as uh, radical, communist, socialist. And 
to uh, since Duplessis gave up on all his campaign promises after taking power in 1936. So these men left the Union Nationale and tried to create their own political party. Well, before we examine the four men separately, these four musketeers, and you do say that there is a fifth musketeer, uh, we'll talk about them later, but I think it's important to look at the Liberal Party uh, under Tachereau. Uh, it was clear that that party was falling apart. Tachereau was was uh, removed from office. There is inside the Liberal Party a new faction, the Action Libérale Nationale. Um, what was happening, in your view, what was happening to the Liberal Party's domination of politics uh, during the Depression? So the Liberal Party was um, governing the province since 1897. So it was nearly 40 years when Tachereau uh, stepped out of uh, office. So the Conservative Party was extremely weak in the province ever since the First World War, given the, the position of the party uh, about conscription was really unpopular in the province of Quebec. And the, the provincial Liberal Party used the association between the federal Conservative Party and the provincial Conservative Party. So the Liberal Party was very strong, with 79 members out of 90 in the elections of 1931. But we know that they kept themselves in power with a lot of corruption. They used a lot of the, the state money to help their friends to buy votes. In one holding in Montreal, the turnout rate was 110%. <laughs> so this shows us how, how, the, how strong was the corruption. So this was how they kept themselves in power. But uh, there was this new faction that you mentioned, the Action Libérale Nationale. So Louis-Alexandre Tachereau is a liberal by name, but is uh, very conservative in uh, social and economics. He doesn't think that the state should intervene in economics or uh, redistribute wealth. So the, young, the youngest members of the Liberal Party uh, did not agree with him. They wanted some radical reform to uh, take the Quebec, the France of Quebec, out of the Great Depression. And Tachereau was absolutely um, close to his ideas. That's why these young members, mainly from Montreal, but some from Quebec City, formed the Action Libérale Nationale, which was an attempt to um, change the Liberal Party from the inside, but then they created a whole new political party. So it goes to show that there was a great deal of dissatisfaction in the province, that there is a movement, there's a Catholic movement in Quebec that is emerging, that is demanding more redistribution, that is demanding more social justice. In part, this is incarnated by the Action Libérale Nationale. It's not surprising that the, the party collapsed in 1936, is it? Absolutely. As you said, it was a very Catholic movement. There was, in 1931, a new encyclical of the Pope uh, Pius XI, so Quadragesimo Anno, where the Pope explained that um, the, the Church still holds to uh, private property, but 
The principle of private property is not more important than the common welfare. So it was important to redistribute wealth when it was so important that it could create dangerous wealth, like what we call in Quebec the trust. Right. Now, let's go back to these four musketeers. Let's start with the first one. His name is Oscar Drouin, D-R-O-U-I-N. Who was Mr. Drouin? Oscar Drouin is a lawyer from Quebec City. He was born in Limoilou, who's the poorest neighborhood. So he's a man who is uh, he's quite wealthy himself, but he's, uh, he, he really wants to upgrade the life of his uh, fellow uh, citizens. And so uh, he is from a very liberal family. And in 1928, he will be a candidate for the Liberal Party in his own holding, so Quebec Est. And uh, Louis-Alexandre Tachereau doesn't want him in the party because Drouin uh, wants to change the politics. He wants uh, to uh, force the government to enact the uh, the pensions plan from Canada. So um, Oscar Rouen is not welcome in the government, but he will still get elected. And once he's a member at the Legislative Assembly, will subject will make a lot of propositions that his, his leader doesn't like, but that are very popular among his electors. And he will come to, to support Maurice Duplessis, will he? Yes, Oscar Drouin will be the main organizer for Action Libérale Nationale. And when the party, the Action Libérale Nationale, will uh, operate a, a fusion with uh, Union Nationale, Oscar Drouin will go with Maurice Duplessis because he will really believe in Duplessis' sincerity and his will to apply all of the program of Action Libérale Nationale. It points to the seductiveness of Maurice Duplessis, doesn't it? Yes. The other leader, the leader of Action Libérale Nationale, is Paul Gouin, who's uh, really an intellectual, is a great debater, but he's not a leader, he's not a charismatic man, he's not a very friendly man, and he's not a generous man. Duplessis is all that. And he will have a lot, he, w he won't have a lot of difficulty to. Um, to be uh, to ally himself with most of the members of Action Libérale Nationale, and most of them will leave Paul Gouin for Maurice Duplessis. So, what about the second mousquetaire, Ernest Grégoire? Who is this man? Ernest Grégoire is a professor in the Université Laval. He has diplomas from a lot of universities, universities in Europe, and is a, a local celebrity. He's also a very Catholic man. He, he finds all the solutions to the Great Depression in the teachings of the Church. And in 1934, he will be a candidate to be mayor in Quebec. And his uh, main objective is to break the monopoly of the Quebec power, who's a um, electricity company who uh, has very high electricity rates. He finds out that uh, the company, uh, their rates are two or three times higher than any city in Canada. So he will get elected by promising that he will lower the rates and that he will break the monopoly. 
So Quebec Power, just so our listeners understand that Quebec Power was the private sector company that actually generated electricity for the city of Quebec. Yes, that's right. And Grégoire is elected mayor, is he? Yes, he's elected as a mayor, but he quickly finds out that he won't be able to do to to uh, fill his promises <laughs> because all of his uh, city council is uh, made of uh, liberals, so people who really take their orders from the parliament in Quebec, from Louis-Alexandre Tachot. And the Tachot family is... Uh, very uh, friend with the electricity companies in the province of Quebec. Some are administrators, some are their employees, so they don't want to um, bother the monopoly. This is a very, very insightful lesson in the micro-politics of Quebec, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. The city council basically has no power at all. What about Philippe Amel, your third mousquetaire? Philippe Amel is a dentist from Quebec City. He's a, a man who really had no, um, no uh, destiny to become politicians. He, 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 he found out really by coincidence that the, the electricity rates in Quebec City were so high and he made it, he made it his, um, the fight of his life to lower the rates in the first and then to nationalize the electricity company when you realize that the monopoly was so strong that it was impossible to simply lower the rates and that the state had to take, our, uh, take over the electricity uh, business. Now, was Amel a liberal at any time? Was he known to have that political label? He, was, he wasn't known as a liberal, although his uh, family was liberal. Um, his sister married a member of the Liberal Party, but uh, he himself was not known as a liberal. He will be known as a conservative, even though he wasn't, because um, a lot of people thought his fight against the electricity companies was really a fight against the Liberal Party. And again, he will ally, he will find Duplessis to be a vehicle to advance his ideas? Yes, and... Um, this shows once again the, the great charisma of Maurice Duplessis. When um, Amel will talk with Paul Gouin about his ideas toward electricity, uh, he will present a document and uh, he will ask Paul Gouin to sign an, enge uh, an engagement, so a promise to nationalize electricity as soon as he becomes prime, prime minister. And Paul Gouin will take time to read it, to consult his friends, and to make his idea. Then Philippe Amel will also meet Duplessis, and Duplessis will immediately sign the paper. And Amel will be convinced that he, found, he finally found a man who was just as determined as him to break down the monopoly. I can just imagine uh, Philippe Amel's smile when he walked out of the uh, Chateau Frontenac in Quebec City after meeting Duplessis, thinking that he had won the big fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the fourth man is René Chaloux, C-H-A-L-O-U-L-T. Uh, René Chaloux is much better known today than the other three, isn't he? Yes, uh, René Chaloux is the man who convinced Maurice Duplessis to adopt the Fleur de Lysée, so the, the, the Quebec provincial flag, and um, in 1948, Chaloux is really the man who led the debate in the public opinion and uh, who convinced people that the province of Quebec needed its flag. 
I need to remind that uh, it was when even Canada didn't have its own flag. So it was really a, a, big, um, a big change. And we remember Chaloux as the man who made it possible for the province to have its flag. Now, what was René Chaloux's attitude towards uh, the Tachereau liberals? Chaloux is a, a strong nationalist. He will be the first member in the Legislative Assembly to speak about uh, the, the independence of the, the secession of the province of Quebec. And so uh, Chaloux is really angry about Tachereau for giving up the, the economic power of the province of Quebec to American and British companies. René Chaloux is uh, from the school of nationalism of Lionel Groux. So he really wants a new nationalist government, and he also believes that Duplessis will be the one to, um, make, uh, to, to make the province of Quebec great again. <laughs> If you have to use that expression, yes. <laughs> uh, now, who is the fifth musketeer? The fifth musketeer is uh, Dr. Adolphe Marcoux. Uh, he's a lot less known than the four others because he's a very discreet man. He doesn't speak lo a lot. He's, a, he's not a very good politician. And it, it was really the people of his holding who convinced him that he needed to be a candidate and that he needed to become a member. He's a very popular doctor because uh, in the Great Depression, he would... Um, He would heal people for free if they didn't have money to pay him. He was um, very involved in his community, so he was a, a local celebrity, but he won't be a very good member. So these four men, we're talking about the four in particular, Oscar Drouin, Ernest Grégoire, Philippe Hamel, René Chaloux, all come together and support Maurice Duplessis, in the election of 1936. Do they make a big difference to the Union Nationale victory? It's very difficult to say exactly why people vote for one party or for another, but we know for sure that Duplessis was very proud to have these four men to support him. The most important one was, without a doubt, Oscar Rouen, who became the main organizer for the Union Nationale. So he's really the one who made the victory possible. And then we have Philippe Amel, who was very popular, and Duplessis was very proud to speak along with him on, in, everywhere in the province of Quebec. René Chaloux was a lot less known than the three others. Himself was very modest and didn't, didn't want to say that he had a, a role in any of this, but he still made a, a tourney with um, Maurice Duplessis. They went everywhere together, and Duplessis was proud to see that this foreman was the proof that he was honest and that he would hold his promises. Now, we have a problem here, though, don't we? Maurice Duplessis is elected, as we say, in 1936. This is the Great Depression. Times are terrible in Quebec. Um, Duplessis and the Union Nationale have real trouble governing, don't they? Yes, of course, because unlike Tachereau, Duplessis wants to use public money to get the province out of the Great Depression. So with uh, programs of uh, public work, 
a lot of um, social programs, but these programs, of course, are extremely expensive. And so, very quick, quickly, the province will go into huge deficits, and the province finances will be very bad. And then we get to the Second World War, where the government of Canada will use its power to block uh, bank loans for provinces. So the province will be uh, deprived of a lot of its incomes, a lot of possibilities to get loans, and so the Liberals will use it against Duplessis to take over power. But Maurice Duplessis also has trouble internally, politically, does he not? I mean, these four musketeers will come together within one year to form this Parti National. Why, why is it that Duplessis, for all his political talents, was not able to keep them within his team? Duplessis is uh, the former leader of the Conservative Party of Quebec, and he's a very conservative man. He had conservative ideas about politics, and he, he never intended to, um, to enact the radical ideas of the Four Musketeers or the Action Libérale Nationale. He wanted power to have power. So, uh, when he uh, becomes premier, he, uh, he shows his true colors by not naming Philippe Amel a minister in his government. And this shocked a lot of people because Amel was the, the star of Union Nationale right after Duplessis. So everyone expected him to be a minister. And by showing that, and by uh, by refusing to name him a minister, uh, Duplessis showed that he did not really intend to nationalize electricity. And as a fact, uh, Duplessis did not national, nationalize electricity. No, that in fact was done by Adélard Godbout, the liberal prime minister of Quebec in 1944. What, what goes through the mind of Chaloux, Drouin, Grégoire, Amel, that they are, they are so angry, they need to form a new party. What is the ideological source of this new Parti National? So they don't, do not believe that the Liberals can do a lot better than Duplessis. They just threw down the Liberal government. So they cannot hope that the Liberal Party will change so much that they can really... Um, apply their program. This is the whole idea of their political career. They want to promote the program of Action Libérale Nationale. The program of Parti National will simply be the one that Duplessis defended in the elections of 1936 and gave up as soon as he came to power. So they form a new political party to defend these ideas. So they are more interventionist? Yes, absolutely. The state will play a great role in the economics within their vision. The state will set maximum prices for essential goods, for example. They will nationalize not only electricity, but probably mine, uh, banks. They will set a lot of uh, social insurances, pension plans. So yes, the state will be a lot more inter interventionist. Alexandre, listening to you, I get the impression that these people borrowed a lot of ideas from the Regina Manifesto, from the 
Cooperative Commonwealth Federation of Canada that I invoked at the very beginning. This is a Parti National that is very much on the left. Well, that's the idea we can get, but these four men would never describe themselves as the left. And <laughs> What made them different then? They have a very conservative ideology. I mean, um, they do not believe, believe themselves as reformists, as leftists. They really want to keep the social order as it is. Their idea is that to make workers want to keep capitalism, to keep liberalism, they, they, we need to make the society good for them. They need to be able to have a decent life. And it's only by increasing their wages, by lowering prices, by allowing them to have a decent life, that we can keep them away from socialism and communism. Were they traditionalists, Alexandre? Were they were they conservative traditionalists? What what separated them from socialism? What was their view, for example, on the role of the Catholic Church in society? Well, the four of them are very Catholic, and the four of them hoped that the Church would uh, support them because their program is uh, really inspired by the teachings of the Church. So they want the church to still play a major role in the government. They want the church to keep in, to be in charge of education. So they really want to create a French and Catholic state in North America. And that's the very big difference between them and the CCF. It seems as though the views of these four gentlemen, which was at times very, very left, and yet very conservative, created an obstacle to the creation of a pan-Canadian um, progressive movement. Yes, absolutely, because for our former skateers, um, the political fight is French first and Catholic first, while in CCF, in the Canadian left, um, they just say that uh, left is, um, language is not important. So let's just all speak English and get this over with. So, <laughs> there was absolutely no middle ground. So these gentlemen come together, they, they create a party, a Parti National, and they have their first demonstration, their first, uh, their first assembly uh, in 1937. And yet, Alexandre, nothing works out out of this party. This is a story of failure. Why did it fail? Well, first, it is very difficult to create a new party in the province of Quebec because the people are really, are really found are their old parties. Every family is red or blue. When a new political party uh, emerges, they must uh, fight with money. The, the, the huge, uh, huge business, the banks, the, the companies all finance the old parties, as, as well the Liberal Party, as well as the Union Nationale. And obviously, they would not give money to Parti National, who was going to fight them. So Parti National only had small... Um, small donations from $5, $2, here and there, and this was not enough. So the farmers Musketeers had to use their own money to finance their movement, and they quickly realized that they were going to ruin themselves. So this was a major difficulty, 
and they did not have a lot of support. The, the trade unions uh, would rather support the Liberal Party than the Passe Nationale. So they did not have uh, a lot of support, and that's why in 1939 they realized that they had to give up the fight. So what happened to these four musketeers? Well, Oscar Drouin went back to the Liberal Party. He was elected with Adélard Godbout in 1939, and he, become, he became a minister in his government. So he finally got his wish. Well, yeah, yes or no, and no because <laughs> uh, Drouin would, be, would have a lot of reasons to be uh, unsatisfied about uh, Adélard Godbout, and he will uh, still complain, and by 1944, he would leave Liberal Party once again and be independ independent once more. And what about the others? René Chaloux will be a candidate for the Liberal Party also, even though he, um, he styled himself an independent liberal. So he will support Adelard Godbout for a time. Then when the, the discussion about conscription starts in the country, René Chaloux will leave the Liberal Party so that, he, so that he can speak freely his opinion that the, the Canada should not participate to the Second World War. And he will uh, then uh, be uh, an independent candidate once again, and he will, uh, he will remain as a member of the Assembly until 1952. What about Ernest Grégoire? Ernest Grégoire will join the social credit movement, who was not uh, very popular in the province by then, and so uh, he will really lose all his political credibility, and all his allies will just give up on him. And what about Philippe Amel, the dentist? He will leave politics, but he will still uh, he will continue to fight against electricity uh, electricity company. And uh, René Lévesque, among a lot of others, will use him as an inspiration. So he will die in 1954. He won't live to see his dream being achieved, but he really um, left his mark in the province of Quebec. So, Alexandre, at the end of the day. What makes this story so important? Why, why, spend, why, why did you spend so much time writing this book about these four musketeers who essentially failed in politics? What is it about their story that is still important? A lot of the ideas of the four musketeers would be accomplished in 1960s, in what we call the Quiet Revolution. And we really thought that uh, the province of Quebec was very conservative before the 60s, but this idea was already very popular. So I think the popularity of the Four Musketeers must uh, lead us to rethink what we thought to be certain. Maybe the Quebecers were ready for the Quiet Revolution a lot sooner than the 60s. Maybe if we had done different choices, the Quiet Revolution would have been possible a lot sooner. And this is what the, the history of the Four Musketeers would teach us, I think. You're saying that, the, uh, that one of the roots of the Quiet Revolution was these four conservative politicians, conservative at the same time, conservative progressive politicians, that there is, in other words, a conservative route to the Quiet Revolution? Yes, I think so. Just like Michael Gauvreau wrote about the Catholic origins of the Quiet Revolution, I think this conservative man uh, influenced a lot of 
progressist politicians. I named René Lévesque, but there will be a lot of others. Georges-Émile Lapin also would cite Philippe Amiel as one of his inspirations. And I guess the, the Union Nationale, which is re-elected in 1966, but the Union Nationale under uh, Johnson will become very, will, will continue in this progressive vein, will it not? Yes, because there, there really is um, a break uh, with the uh, Maurice Duplessis government. Daniel Johnson, who was uh, a minister in Duplessis government, uh, is also very nationalist. And he will also um, follow the same ideas that uh, moved uh, René Lévesque. Uh, so, Alexandre, I, 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 this brings me to the classic Champlain Society question. What new archival findings did you bring to light in writing your book? What were your discoveries? The main sources for my book were the archives of the Four Musketeers, so the archives of uh, Ernest Grégoire and Philippe Amel were stored in the Université Laval, and the archives of René Chaloux were stored in Bibliothèque et Archives Nationales du Québec in the center of Quebec. So these are the documents I mainly used, who are um, the, the public can consult them for a very long time. They were not used by a lot of uh, historians, even though the sub subject was uh, really interesting, mainly because we thought that we knew the whole history about them from uh, historians such as Robert Rumilly and Conrad Black. So I, I use mainly all archives, but I, I shed a, a new light on them. And I also used uh, religious archives, in, uh, like the uh, Archbishopric of Quebec. So I was the first historian who could access these documents, the documents of uh, Cardinal Rodrigue Villeneuve, to know about the relations between politicians and churchmen. Alexandre Dumas, thank you so much for spending time with me today to talk about this book that sheds a completely new light, not only on this Parti National, but on these four key intellectuals and their influence on Quebec history. Thank you very much. Speaking with Alexandre Dumas about his second book entitled Les Quatre Mousquetaires de Québec, La Carrière Politique de René Chaloux, Oscar Drouin, Ernest Grégoire et Philippe Hamel. It's published by Les Editions du Septentrion. Before we go, I want to remind our listeners that this podcast is made possible by the members of the Champlain Society, whose annual membership makes everything we do possible. Thank you. I want to thank our sponsors, the L.R. Wilson Institute of History at McMaster University, the University of Toronto Press, the University of British Columbia Press, McGill Queen's University Press, the University of Regina Press, and the University of Ottawa Press. This podcast on Canadian political history was particularly sponsored by Mr. Don Bourgeois and Ms. Susan Campbell of Kitchener, Ontario, in honor of their parents, Jean-Marie and Mary Bourgeois, and Aloysius and Regina Campbell, who instilled in their children a passion for all of Canada and for its political history. Thank you. There's a way for you, the listener, to support this podcast. Please go to Champlain Society to make a quick donation or to become a member of the Champlain Society. The Champlain Society is a registered charity and will provide you with a tax receipt for any donation over $20.
$50. Any support goes a long way as the Champlain Society receives no government support for its operations, and that always surprises people. Oh, and don't forget to support this podcast by telling all your friends in whatever way you prefer. My name is Patrice Dutil. This interview was recorded on January 31st, 2022 by Jessica Schmidt, our producer. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you.